issue of the mind. And like I said last week, I was thinking uh, it was something I would just go through in the first study we had, but find that there are one or two things we still need to consider. Remember our text very precisely, which is Philippians 2. Uh, we said, let this mind be in you. 4, 5, 6. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I tried to explain to us last week what has been ministered to me from that particular passage as, I, as we looked into the word. Uh, we said it precisely that if you have to have the mind of Christ, it means you have to think like Christ. And we did mention that things like anger, jealousy, envy, backbiting, whatever you want to put it, uh, they are not part of the mind of Christ. Christ cannot be sitting down and talking to people. And uh, I mentioned last week that if you, if you have the mind of Christ, you cannot be part of the common people. Uh, when I use the word common people, I don't mean maybe people who are not rich or something. But common people has to do with people who talk about others because they don't talk creative or creativity. But that I mean, people can see that I'll be talking about someone. But God cannot see that I'll be talking about someone. God sees them and talk, I think, creativity. So if you have any mind of Christ, you can't think like common people. You think like God. And God thinks creativity. God thinks peace. God thinks God. He thinks love. He, he, thinks, he thinks joy. He thinks the things that can make humanity to be a better place. So if this mind has to be in you, which is the mind of Christ, it means you must come to have a creative mind uh, with the intention of making people better in life. I would prefer maybe ordinary to use the word happier in life. You become a source of joy and gladness to people. That is when you begin to have the mind of Christ because God thinks peace. He thinks joy. He thinks righteousness. He thinks of the well-being. I know the thought that I think towards you. Thought of peace. This is the way God thinks. And don't you forget, the mind of Christ is the mind of God. Amen? So when you say, let this man be in you, then you begin to understand what we mean. Okay, I just want to start again, and then we looked at a particular passage last week as well, which is the book of Luke. But let me also make a little simple definition of the word mind. Mind, from the English perspective, is the aspect of the intellect and consciousness, experience and combination of thought, perception, memory, emotion, will, and imagination. This is English definition. Is that Okay. The aspect of the intellect, you know, because you find that the mind is within your soul realm. Remember that? Okay. So the English definition simply means it's an aspect of the intellect and the consciousness experience as a combination of thought, perception, emotions, memory, will, and imagination, including all unconscious cognitive processes. You don't need to bother yourself about all that. Praise the Lord. And I said, like I said, the main theme we're dealing with is ladies might be you, which is Philippians 2 5. All right. Um, but there's something very important we dealt with last week, which is Luke chapter 10. Remember that? Luke 10, if you look at it from 25 down to 27, was asking how you serve the Lord. Remember that? 
and say serve the Lord with all, love the Lord with all thy, uh, what, thy mind and strength. Remember that? Okay. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. And uh, I told you, when you look at the word mind in this passage, uh, the definition of the Greek means deep thoughts. I mean, if you can remember, mind in this place means deep thoughts. The faculty, the mind of your disposition by implication is exercise, imagination, understanding. So, when the Bible says, when it says, serve the Lord with all your mind, what it means to say is, your thinking, not just shallow thinking, but deep thinking, should be centered in God. Your imagination, at any point in time, and I made a typical example when David said, let my imagination be acceptable, my meditation be acceptable unto you. Meditation, imagination, they are all the same as it were. Deep thinking. Hallelujah. How many of you know that sometimes in your meditation you can be so lost that even though you are in an environment, you may not be able to perceive what is around you. You can see the situation and you discover that though people are looking at you, but you are not there. You just be gazing. People will be wondering what you're looking at and things like that. Deep meditation. And the Bible is saying our deep meditation and imagination should be that of God. Now watch this. I made it clear last week. Imagination is a combination of two words. Image and nation. And then what it means is you create Nations through or you build images through your thoughts. And you can create the whole world, nation, right? Through your thoughts. And I keep on emphasizing the how powerful the issue of thought is. Alright? You can create an environment of joy, an environment of peace, an environment, I mean, whatever environment you want can be created from what? Your imagination. And that is very important. So when the Lord is saying serve him or love him with your imagination. It's not just saying serve him but love him with your imagination. That means you, begin, you become creative like he is creative. When God said let us make my in our image. That was the whole nation to comfort. But he had to come from his thoughts. Amen. He had to come from his thinking. Praise the Lord. Alright, so you have to understand that. So when he says, love the Lord with all your, your heart, your mind, your strength, and your opinion, it simply means your own thought life should be centered on God. In other words, you love him even with your thought life. What is the proof of your love in the true sense? Um, Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandment. Love is not, thank you Lord, love is not um, necessarily being in service. Love is not necessarily maybe the things you do. The proof of your love of God is you're keeping what he says. And you can't ordinarily keep what he says except you become his friend. Because only the friend of a man knows his secrets. And God will always reveal his mind to his friends. 
And when he revealed his mind to his friend, he expected his friends to do his biddings. Are we communicating? Hallelujah. So when he said, love the Lord with your mind, he said, in your deep thought and meditation, let it be the thing that unfold as touching God's mind being revealed to creation. That when people around you come in contact with the environment you have created, a whole wall opens up unto them, which is the wall of the Lord. Hallelujah. And don't you forget, it's very crucial you understand this, that God responds to your thoughts and to your imaginations just like he responds to your verbalization of what you call prayers. And I also believe that in the true sense of it, you can't truly pray until you first have thought about what you want to pray about. So when you think of what you want to pray about, and even if you don't voice it, God can respond to it. And I gave a typical example some time ago in the case of Joseph. He simply thought, I want to put away Mary. It's not to make her a public disgrace because she's pregnant before we came together. And that thought registered in the heaven. God dispatched an angel to say, no, Joseph, don't do so. God responded to his thoughts. Are we still there together? Very important you understand it. Therefore, if your thoughts are the thoughts of God, he also responds to them. Let me put it this way. You're thinking of doing good. And you don't seem to have what it takes to do good. I believe God can respond to that thought by making provisions available so that you can do what you want to do. Hallelujah. Listen, you can, you can understand God to a point where your daily life, because when we talk about loving the Lord with your mind, it means your daily thoughts life should be centered on God. And you can so come to a place in your life that even as you walk the street, you'll be praying and God can be giving answers to your prayer in form of thought patterns. Amen? Okay. Uh, so, I have to summarize that aspect again, but let you know that, for instance, God does not think jealousy. Does he think jealousy? God does not think envy. Uh-huh. God does not think quarreling. Mm? God doesn't think bitterness. And so, if all these things are in your thoughts, then you don't have the mind of Christ. A very simple checklist. So, you can go back home and write a checklist for yourself. What do I really think about? And then you put this and put this on your side. And you just check it. Do a checklist for yourself. Do I have anger? Do I have bitterness? Do I, you know, just put it on and then check it out. And you find finally the Spirit will be ministering to you. This does not agree with my own thoughts. Hallelujah. Are we there? Okay. All right. So, 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 so. Let's go down a little bit um, this evening. Okay. I want to look at something about the issue. It's when you look at the world, he said, that's the love the Lord of God with all thy heart and with all thy strength and with all thy soul and with all thy mind or whatever the case may be. I want to make us see a little bit of the closeness between mind and heart. And so let's turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And then we'll look at verse number... Five and six as well. Ephesians 
Praise the Lord. Ephesians 6 verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your hearts as unto Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 6 says, not with eye service as men pleaser, but as the servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the, from the what? Let, let's take it again. Not with eye service, verse 6, as men pleasers, but as the servants of God, of Christ, doing the will of God from the good. Now, you see the word heart, in other translation, you see spirit. If you look at the top, it says, Servant, be obedient to, you, to them that are your masters according to the flesh, not with fear, trembling, and singleness of heart. Is that okay? All right. So when you come down here, what you're going to see is the same word heart. But you see, in the Greek, the word heart there is suke. And suke means spirit. Hallelujah. Now, this spirit... It's not dealing with, when you say as unto the Lord, it's dealing with those who have received, as it were, the Spirit of Christ as becoming believers. Amen? Because you are doing this as unto Christ, even as servants in the flesh, but with another spirit. Now, understand this. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? Fine. In your natural setting as a human being, you will not want to be a servant. Are you getting this? Good. But now you can be a servant because you receive another spirit, which is the spirit of Christ. And one thing about the spirit of Christ is the spirit of service and humility. I came not to be a master or to be served, but to do what? To serve. That's the point. Do you understand that now? So when you use the word heart, it's either dealing with the spirit of Christ. So it's dealing with those who have received Christ and they receive another spirit and they can serve people without feeling otherwise. Without feeling, hey, somebody's messing me up. No, they are doing it with another spirit yet as unto the Lord. Now, see what Paul will speak to Philemon. About uh, Onesi, what is it Onesiphorus or what do you call it? Onesimus, fine. He didn't tell him to stop him from being a servant. He asked that he should receive him and yet he's still going to be what? A servant unto Philemon. You see, that's exactly what I'm saying now. Now, Onesimus is going to be serving with another spirit of having become a believer. Are you catching the point now? So when it says servant self, it is the same thing as having the mind of Christ. Having another spirit, which is the spirit of Christ. So in the first place, if we truly have this kind of spirit, which is synonymous to the mind of Christ, our services in the church will be completely different. We will know that we are serving Christ through the church. Are you still following what I'm talking about? We will know. It is not David you are serving. It is not a system in that sense you are serving. You are serving Christ through that system with another spirit. That is why you can't be proud in any way if you have this heart that we are dealing with. You can never be proud. 
in doing a service, in doing a job. Nothing makes you feel inferior, even at whatever level that you are doing the job. You are not doing it out unto men, neither that of men pleasers. Now, when you talk about men pleasers, you know how people work. They want to do something because their master is coming so that they can be commended. Are you understanding that? But when you are doing it, not as I service or men pleasers, you are doing it as if it is your own. You are doing it with another disposition. And what prompts you in doing that is you are realizing that you are doing this as unto the Lord. In other words, your being a servant to a man is an avenue to serve Christ with another spirit. Are we together? And so the spirit of Christ is spirit of service. Understand that. Very important. Hallelujah. So now when you go back to Luke, you see when he says, love the Lord with all your heart. That's where I started from. So what is he saying now? Love him with another spirit, which is now the spirit of humility. Hallelujah. Are we still together now? Now let me say this. This is where most people get it wrong. When you do a service or you come to church, because you see what we do most often is when we come to church, we kind of superimpose this spirit on people and they become active. But when they leave church, they are not who they know who they were when they were in church. I don't know if you capture what I said. When we come to church, all of us can become very humble. So what is actually happening is religiously we are superimposing that spirit of Christ in people. Making them humble. But when they leave, it's not a natural disposition for them to be humble when they get out of church. <laughs> are we still together? Understand me. Am I clear to you? Good. We are superimposing that spirit of Christ now in service on people. And that is why we come to church, our worship is different, our tears is different. Everything we come to do in church is completely different than when we leave church. When we leave church, we're no longer who we were when we were in church. What happened? The environment called religion have superimposed the spirit of Christ in terms of service. By implication, serving the Lord with your heart. Is, is that okay? We are superimposing that action now in people when we come to church. But it's not a natural disposition. What I mean is, it's not an inclination of purpose. If you go by the fourth definition we had on the word mind. The mind means an inclination of purpose. That is to say, you propose to do a thing not because somebody asks you to do it. It becomes eye service. Did you get that? So it says, serve the Lord with your heart. Which is now the spirit of Christ. It can only be done in relation to the mind of Christ. Which becomes an inclination of purpose. In other words, your life is purposed to do what you are now doing. Not because you are asked to do it to please anybody. Hallelujah. In other words, you are moving on volitions. Not by being coerced or cajoled to do it. And it doesn't stop in church. It becomes your natural way of life. To be of service wherever you find yourself. 
Can I tell this right on here? Whether you are in business with anybody, whether you are employed with anybody or to anybody, whatever job you are doing, you can do it with the heart of Christ. Amen? Knowing that you are serving Christ through that medium. Now, your volition should not be because of the pay. That's the difference. You are not serving because of the pay. You are serving because of the new nature that you carry. Remember what Jesus is saying in Ephesians 6. Servants. Servant basically doesn't think about pay when they serve. Am I correct? Come on. They are not expecting salary at the end of the month. That will have been their motivating factor. But now another thing is motivating them. They are serving the system as unto who? Unto the Lord. So the motivation is not money. The motivation is not wages. But a lifestyle. As deposited now and received from who? From the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we must look into a little bit, just a little bit, like life of Jacob with, 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 with his uh, father-in-law, that could you think or imagine in your mind? Listen to this. We can be given scriptures to meditate, I mean to, to confess. Just follow me. We can be given certain scriptures or statements to confess. But though we confess them, they are not really from our imaginations. And because they are not deep-seated, they don't produce the required result. Because for you to meet with God at the point of productivity, your imagination be, must be as that of who? Of God. But a confession is something given to you in a church service. That's what I'm saying. It's more or less kind of positive confession. If you must come into that, then you must come to the place where the same thing you confess becomes registered in your mind, becomes your thought pattern. In other words, you carry it along with you wherever you go. Then it begins to take root. Hallelujah. So I said, with your new best spirit, you can make confessions, but they may not be deep-seated in your mind. Do you understand that? Right. You come to church, you know, we have all kind of things we can confess about, positive statement, positive faith, but they are not deep-seated in your mind. That's why you can make the confession, go back home, and something is completely happening, and you are living a different lifestyle because it's not in your imagination. It's not in your mind. When it comes to a deep-seated thinking that this is what you're thinking about, it's always with you, and wherever you go, that thing begins to walk with you and around you. In fact, it changes your actions because it's within you. It's not just a confession that you pick up in church. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at the book of Romans 10 and see something there. Romans 10, verse number 10. Now, when you can say, for with the heart, which is now the spirit, the new spirit man now. Is that okay? Man believeth unto righteousness. 
And with the mark confession he made unto salvation. And now we've been taught to believe this, and it is true. But the point is, most people live in unbelief about their lives every day. And comes to church to make positive confessions. That is exactly why it is not working. I don't know if you follow what I'm trying to say. You can make all the positive confessions. But you don't have any positive thought about your life. I don't know. See, are you following what I'm trying to say? What do you think about your life? What, what have you pictured about your future? If I may ask you. What have you? But if you come to church and say, say it is well, it is well. Say I will make it, I will make it. You are making statements, you are making confessions. But they are not in your mind because you have no, no future thought about that, about yourself. You haven't seen anything about yourself in relation to your confession. I don't know if I'm making a point now. That is why it's not working. It can't work because it's not part of you. So ordinarily, you have so much about, I mean, of, of, you have so much of unbelief about yourself, though you are making positive confessions. See, there are two different things that can work. One is religious activity. The other one ought to be your daily living. Have you sat down and I know God has given me life and I'm going to live through. And I mean, not because you're in church. You just have come to that conclusion. And you're having it every day in your mind. And I know God has given me life and I'm going to live it through. Have you come to that conclusion? I don't know if I catch you what I'm talking about. Not when somebody prompts you by saying, say after me or say this or confess it. No, you can't. But it can't work because it's not your imagination. It's not your mind. Are you, are you following me? It's not your mind. Deep thinking, deep thoughts about myself is what set me free from fear, doubt, anything called unbelief, even if they are coming. One of the things you must understand basically is the warfare in a man's life is actually in the mind. You make others confession, but because you don't know about yourself, suddenly you say, do you think that can really come to pass? <laughs> that is where your battle is. Your real battlefield is in your mind. You come to church and the confessions are made, and when you go back home, say, but can that be true about my situation? You see? Another spirit comes in. Why? Because in the beginning, the source of that confession did not originate from your own thought and imagination. It was given to you. So it's external. It's not deep-seated. Are you understanding this? That is why it's so important that one of the things that can keep you floating in what I'm talking about is God just giving you a statement about your life. Just one statement about your life. Could be in a vision, whatever, in any way. Just that one statement, one word can keep you going all the days of your life. Because at any point, it doesn't the Lord said this about me, and I believe it and I know it. That is about my life. Even if the situation seems not to be that okay, you can see stand and say, but if God said this and I haven't seen it, I don't expect the situation to swallow me. So it's not a matter of you coming to join and somebody says, say, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. If only you have believed before that truly you are going to live because 
he lives. No, we can say that. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We can say that in form of songs, but do we really believe it? Why? Because it hasn't come into our imagination yet. And don't forget what we're looking at. Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy deep thoughts. Hmm? Amen? All right. Very important. So, when we make these confessions, I'm saying it doesn't work because it's not part of the deep process of the thought we are talking about all the time. It is not yet what goes on all the time in our mind. You see, when something is always in your mind, you're always thinking about something, you know you will definitely hit it. Whether positive or negative. Is that alright? Yeah. Confessing it with your mouth until it is deep-seated in your mind, it can produce results. It's still on the surface. It's not yet settled. It's not yet seated. But when you come to a place and you know, no, 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 I know my Redeemer live it. You just have that word that you have it all the days of your mind, I mean your life, you keep on meditating on that, you keep on thinking about it, it has settled within your spirit. No cycles and no situation. Even if you see a network happening there, nothing troubles you. I was watching something yesterday. It amazes me. I have to call my wife. I said, come and look at this because that's part of your profession. Uh, there was this trouble going on in the city and the doctor was operating on the patient. Everybody was running in the hospital and the doctor said, no, I have to do this. I have to save this life. I can't imagine such a way of thinking. He was still so calm. Everybody was running. But the doctor was still operating. Some were even trying to get out of the theater from but he was telling two persons, stay, just give me this. Cutting, sewing, yet trouble was all over the place. I can't picture that. His profession has become him and has taken away everything about fear. He can't think about him dying except he fulfilled what he was called to do. Everywhere, people were, explosions were taking place, people were right all over. But he was there, was just teaching the patient, very calm. I just say, come on, look at this one. How many of us can come to that level? Hey, you are running on a patient and yes, an explosion. What happened? <laughs> you know, and one of the others runs, hey, doctor, doctor, is that true, sir? Say, well, I don't know. Only God will save you. You're on your way out because you want to save your life. But this man was calm. Why? There is something deep seated. In his life. The job has become his life. I see such a man not working because of what he can get. He's working because he has come to see that as a medical doctor, I save lives. Life for him is more important than any other thing. That is my own estimation about this man. Because if it is the issue of money, you will run now. And your salary will still run. Hallelujah. Okay. So those who are in this realm, they live in this deep, you know, persuasive power that flows from your mind. Not just a confession that is superimposed on each other's service. It is deeper than that, the mind of Christ. We're talking about what you have come to accept about yourself in relation to what has been revealed to you through the mind of Christ. 
And every day it runs to your mind. This is me. Huh? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. So understand this. We, we can talk a lot of doubts and failures and disappointment when we're not in church. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Anytime, check your, check your confessions. You talk doubts, you talk unbelief, you talk so many things about yourself. So situations, you regret every bit of your life, sometimes even twice in a day. Now how are you expecting to make progress in life? That is not the mind of Christ. Even the cross will not change the mind of Christ. Amen. And like I told you sometimes, why will it be so? Because even before he started going to the cross, he had been informed. So for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. He saw the glory before he went through the cross. So one of the greatest problems, why it is difficult for us to pass through certain situations, is simply because we haven't seen the end of what is coming out of that which we are passing through. And so our thought is shaky. Our belief is not stable. Our confession is not permanent. It could be positive now and doubt in the next moment because it's not from your heart. Hallelujah. Okay. I would like us to look at something. Uh, one of the things I mentioned last week and I would like to read it here that interferes with that which God is revealing is your background which has to do with your education and I'm going to mention some things let's look at the book of Romans chapter 7 Romans chapter 7 let's look at verse 22 and then 23 are we there? For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. My mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Now. The word mind here is the word news. Amen. The word news is the word intellect. Hallelujah. Intellect. That is mind, divine or human, in thought, feeling or will. By implication, mind or understanding. Intellect. Now, what is intellect? Education, I mean, educated people are said to be intellectuals. Am I correct? Come on, am I correct? Good. So, intellect is from the word or from the through meaning of it, educated person. Intellectualism are those who have gone through the educational process. Are you, are you sitting with me? Now, here Paul is saying, I see another law warring against my mind. For me not to do the things of the inward man. It was not just the flesh. It was his educational background of what he knew before he came to the Lord. So one of the reasons why you can't stand to stand in the mind of Christ is what you have known previously. 
that is now interfering. They become judgmental to the revelation that God is bringing. And the question is, is this true? Because one of the ways by which man, especially the intellectual man, takes into confidence that what he wants to believe is true, empirical display or analysis, it must be proven. There must be facts. <laughs> empirical analysis must take place for an intellectual man to accept a thing to be true. But that becomes a difficult thing when it comes to the mind of Christ. It is simply by faith. Are you getting it? It's very serious. You understand it. Very serious. Very serious. Amen? So, understand it and it's very, very important. Intellect. Our mind, our previous understanding. Theologically. That is why it's difficult. Some of the things we say, people wonder, how could you say this is that? In the school of theology, it's not so. That big bishop doesn't teach it so. But people forgot to realize that these things are simply by revelations. They are not something you can really pin down to a particular system and say, this system gave it to me. Hallelujah. Okay, look at now. The same word is what Paul used in Romans 12. So, he fought the battle in Romans 7. When he get to Romans 12, he was now admonishing people that for you to come to transformation, let your intellect die. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you there? When he said Romans 12 verse number 2 in particular. But be not conformed to this world. But be it transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Your news. Your intellect. Can you get it? Renew your intellect into the mind of Christ. And then you can get transformation. In other words. The things you confess can't work. Until they are separated from what you think you know. <laughs> are you following this? Very important. I'm going to give you a simple example. You can write down the book of John, chapter 11. John 11. And then you take it from over 1. If you look from verse 1 to uh, 25, I think that would be so okay for us. But I'm going to just read. Now, you know the story, anyhow, of Lazarus' death. And Jesus had to come four days after. Amen. And then Mary made a statement. Uh, when he saw Jesus come into the house and things like from verse 21. Like I said, I read from verse 1 to 25. But from the 21, let's look at the story from verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know, listen to verse 22. But I know that even now, whatever thou wilt ask God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Now look at the story. Jesus said unto her, eh? that brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Can you see that? Intellect. Did you see this now? Practical word. Intellect. What she knew was interfering with what Christ was speaking to her. That is the battle. And that's exactly what Paul was suffering from. As somebody who had been a rabbi in the Jewish order. Pharisees for that matter. 
and coming to see Christ and seeing everything contrary to what he had ever known. So even if he's trying to follow the leading of Christ, something keeps drawing him back. Are you sure this is true? Amen? Are you, are you following this? Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he what? Yet shall he live. Hallelujah. Look at the way Luke posts this. The problem with the intellect. Luke chapter 5 and verse 39. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Luke chapter 5 verse 39. No man also having drunk old wine straight away desired new. For he said the old is better. Intellect. You see, the, you see the problem now? And so, uh, he said, what is the kingdom of God? Ah, no. No. It's heaven. That's what we're talking about. Huh? Intellect. Your previous theological understanding interfering with the revelation of the word of God. Christ can be standing before you, but you can't recognize him because of this problem of the mind of the intellect. That's what I'm talking about. For you to make progress in the things of God, your old understanding must give way to the new light that is bringing forth. It's a big warfare, people. And why this is so dangerous is this. Until you accept that which the Lord is speaking and it becomes a deep thought. Remember, serving God with your mind, which is your deep thought. Until his word becomes you. By reason of you thinking about it every day. And advancing on that which is bringing forth. You can make progress in life. So Mary, I mean Martha was talked with. I know. Now you can, I know. What do you know? Yes, he will rise again. On the resurrection on the last day. Oh man. What a theologian she was. She can't miss that. That is the hope. <laughs> Glory to God. She got a hope and she wants to preach to Jesus. I know. Don't teach me that, Jesus. I know he will rise again at the resurrection day. It's not a new thing. Why are you talking to me like that? I know. Jesus said, no, no, I'm not discussing that. If you stand standing before me, you are standing before resurrection. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's not an event. It's not one day thing. It's not, it's not one day thing. Somebody sent me something recently because of what happened in... Where, where did that earthquake? Japan? A tsunami or something happened. Just threw something. Yeah, right. When I just look at sign of Christ coming last day, phew, delete. Don't waste my time. Deleted the nonsense. And unfortunately, that's somebody I was supposed to be respecting so much. I've read some of his books before. Just send it to my box. Look at us. Oh, wasting time. Old thing interfering with the revelation of Christ. I don't have time. Hmm? And so, people projecting resurrection, thinking it's going to be someday, you know, some time, some future date and things like that. Resurrection is now. <laughs> somebody asked a question. I remember somebody once asked me that question. said, Pastor Dave, I said, yes, hey, you, you talk this resurrection in such a way. You know, the Bible talks about Hermenus and Alexander who says resurrection is past. I said, I'm not saying it's past. I'm saying it's past, present, or future. 
Because there is resurrection every day. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It doesn't come to an end. I got into resurrection. You got into somebody will get into it tomorrow. It's past, present, and future. Because a lot of yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the resurrection. So at any age that he showed up, resurrection took place. I'm not Hamenos and Alexander. <laughs> Hallelujah. All of this is not about what we call previous knowledge in education. Which can either assist you or stagnate you. In this case, it's a stagnation. It's always interfering with what God is saying. Matthew eleven twenty seven. Scripture tells us precisely: No man can know God except the Son reveals Him, and no man can know the Son except to whom the Father reveals Him. Understand it. Knowing Him is not a book thing. It's not a study thing. It's a personal appearance to you. That is a coming. When he, when he wants you to know him, he's a coming. Hallelujah. So what are some of the sources of this knowledge or intellect that interfere with the revelation of Christ? One, parents. The people under from who, from who you grew under. Parents. Peer groups. Your school, the kind of school you, you attended. Maybe you attended a school where even religion is not taught. Not the talk of Christianity. It's allowed. So you could be an atheist. The kind of school you attended. The kind of groups you keep. Amen. Your sect, your religious sect. You know, it's just like you find out the Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection. And the Pharisees believe in resurrection. You see, two different sects. You understand that? But yeah, yeah, they are trying to believe the same thing. They are in the religious group. But sect, you find the same thing in Christianity. The sect you belong to interferes with the mind of Christ that he wants to reveal to you. Amen? Your environment. The kind of geographical setting we find ourselves is a big problem. When it comes to the revelation of Christ, especially his finished work on the cross. Because over here, wow. If you don't bring in demons, if you don't bring in, you know what I'm talking about. Then you have not started. If you don't have enough program in your church, then you are not a serious person. Environment. Hallelujah. Environment. You cry for public holidays, they are too much in the country. But do you know how many hours you spend shouting and dancing? In the name of worship. But all of them have nothing the truth has to do with your mind. It's just superimposition of confessions you make. And you go back home and they have nothing to do with your real life. Because you're coming back again in the next program with the same problem you had previously. Glory to God. Personalities serving as role models. Interferes with the mind of Christ for you. Sometimes when God shows some things to you, reveal this thing deep into you. The next thing is people can ask you questions. That bishop is not preaching it. That great man of God is not saying it. The other prophet have not said it so. And if God is not taking you, begin to question the thing that God has revealed to you. Personality is our role models. Very, very important. 
Hallelujah. So what are we saying? Let his mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Simply means let the inclination of purpose that was in Christ be in you. Not intellect. Not education. Let the inclination of purpose that was in Christ be in you. Because the word mind, like I told you previously, means the inclination of purpose. When something becomes a purpose, it's not something somebody is superimposing upon your life. It is what drives you. Is that alright? It's what prepares you. It's not something you are just confessing. It's your being. So, let this man be in you. Let this inclination of purpose that was resident in Christ also become resident in your life. And I bet you, you will make progress. The mind of Christ will always and ultimately be what? Revealed to you. Don't forget, there was also another aspect of the definition. The cobbing. Remember that? Cobbing. We say that also when he say the mind also means inclination of purpose and it means cobbing. What does that mean? The revelation of Christ will suppress or curb or remove out of the way your intellectual mind so that the true light of God will flow through. Praise the living God. Now, another way you can look at that intellectual problem is when Christ said in the scripture, the Bible says, He is the glory when we turn unto Him. The veil shall be removed. What is the veil? The Old Testament understanding. Is that okay? It becomes a mind which is in an intellectual mind that is now affecting and blocking the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. So previous knowledge, you know, religiously, or from peer group, or from educational background, or from environment, or from parents, or from certain cultures, you must curb them with the mind of Christ. Then his light will break forth. God bless you.